Hello and welcome to episode number 31 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for downloading our show today, wherever you are listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. We are finishing this huge week of interviews with a bang, as today Dolphins team member, world champs and Com Games gold medalist, Clyde Lewis joins us for a chat. Had a great chat with Clyde a few weeks ago now and discussed his early days in the pool, his career so far with all the challenges along the way, Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, as well as his amazing 2019 World Champs in South Korea, that ripper of a 200 in the semifinals where he became the second fastest Australian ever. So turn the volume up, set aside some time in your schedule, grab a drink, because Ep 31 with Clyde Lewis starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Hoogten's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's shot. He can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to the front. Thorpe to the hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining us today on the show is a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. He's also a man who at last year's World Championships in South Korea walked away with three medals and also one almighty swim in the semi-final of the 200 freestyle, clocking a 144.9, making the second fastest Australian of all time. I think we know who is just behind. It is a massive welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Clyde Lewis. Mate, how are you going? Hey. hey, I'm good. How are you? Hey, I'm going good. I was just talked before. I'm pretty chill today, pretty cruisy. had a nice sleep in. What about yourself? What have you been up to? Uh, just a bit of a cheeky paddle in the morning and then got coffee with a couple mates and then this so that's my day nice what, what's your coffee of choice what do you get into i'm pretty basic yeah. a cappuccino yeah, <laughs> i'm a flat white guy myself but yeah keep mm. it pretty pretty standard now for all the listeners out there i'm coming to you today from the uh, the chilly studios in sydney it's a bit of a cold front come down here it's a bit fresh these days where have we caught you mate I'm in Brisbane, been in my whole life. What's the weather like up there today, mate? I, I do miss Brisbane. I used to live up there a few years ago. What's it like today? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit overcast. But Are you looking really out good. the window as we speak? I am looking out the window <laughs> as we speak. Okay, that is very accurate. You want to get very accurate reporting. I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I miss the winters, and, and I always say, like, there was no real winters in Brisbane because to me, winter was like the perfect time. Is, is winter your favorite time of the year, or do you like the heat? No, I like winter because I'm not sweating all day. Oh. I can finally wear a long sleeve shirt. And the, the air con <laughs> gets, a, the air con gets a less of a workout, too, because you don't have to put it on through, through winter. You don't heat it, it's, it's nice enough as it is. Yeah, it's good. It's perfect. Now, mate, I can't start today's chat with you without bringing up something that um, you know I've been hearing on on previous podcasts. So, usually at the end of go. our chats, I like to ask some people you know questions about the Aussie team and just to get to know the team a little bit more and the ins and outs. And one of those questions is is best singer or dancer on the team. On more than a mm -hmm. few occasions, mate, your name has been brought up around this question. So. 
I guess my question to you is, is it true? Can you cut a rug on the dance floor or is it just your mates throwing you under the bus? <laughs> I think it might be them throwing me under the bus, really. I'm very easily influenced and I'm sure they all cheered me up and I threw a few down, but <laughs> do you think this I don't was, think so. Was it more around the Com Games time, do you think? Like, have you, have you been out and about on the dance floor since? Oh, yeah. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to perhaps someday down the track, even if I'm not out with you guys, at least getting footage from someone of just seeing you cutting a rug and just seeing how you throw it down. I think um, based off reports, mate, you, you can move. You've got the moves. Well, you'll know it's me. I look like a, like a baby giraffe flailing around on the dance floor. <laughs> oh, mate, that is gold. Now, <laughs> I was speaking to Travis Marnie yesterday, and, and he mentioned mm. that South Australian swimmers have been back in the pool for a few weeks now training, which is, is awesome for those guys, obviously, with, you know, restrictions and, and protocols, of course. But what clarity do you guys have up in Brizzy around, you know, when you'll be back in the pool at this stage? Well, we've heard from – I've heard from my coach, Dean Boxall, that potentially next week, but I don't really know where yet. There's It's just all rumours and he said, she said mm. sort of stuff, yeah. like – you don't get much solid information about it. So you, you take it as it is. And, you know, I hear we might be out at Chandler and heaps of clubs will be like rotating throughout the day at Chandler. So I don't really know though. So yeah, it's that's a all bit, the info I have. Yeah, it's a bit difficult at this stage, isn't it? I mean, the, the government didn't really do much to help us. I mean, they said we can get back in the pool, but you can only have like 10 people in a pool at one time and... Yeah, um, I'm sure a lot of people out there know the heating costs of a 50 meter pool, especially through winter. So I don't yeah. think it's a viable option just having like 10 people in a in a public pool at, at one time and keeping it running. So it's a bit up in mm. the air at the moment. Yeah, we we don't really know. Like, I don't see what because I train at the school. Yeah, I don't see like the difference between having 10 of us training there and 10 of us training at Chandler. Like, mm. I see it as heaps of clubs are going through Chandler, then we're like cross-contaminating or whatever, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a bit of a yeah, it's political a, Yeah, thing. it's a sticky situation, mate. Hope, but I guess the positive is, uh, you know, we are looking at getting back in the pool and we are moving forward. So that's, that's one way to look at it. And we're closer to getting back in than we were, you know, say six weeks ago. So that's a good thing. Now, mate, talk to yeah. me about, you know, training for you during isolation. What has it looked like? And, you know, did you manage to find, you mentioned that you went for a splash this morning. Have you managed yeah. to find some water to turn the arms over? Yeah, I did. Um, my coach was, you know, sussing out places we could swim and he ended up finding, um, a few people that were willing to lend us their, you know, 25 metre pool in their backyard. And, you know, we go there one at a time. So he was working really hard at that. So we're very grateful, but there's been no real schedule. Um, we're sort of just all being responsible, staying fit and, mm. well, not fit, but just not being fat <laughs> and laying around doing nothing. But yeah. <laughs> it's been like whatever you really want to do, to Mate, be honest. Is it heated? What's the, what's the temp like in that pool? It's really, it's really good. He keeps the covers on and it's heated and he's oh, always, he's very particular about it. He goes, oh, it's a bit chlorinated today. It's a bit not chlorinated. Yeah. I'm like, hey, it's fine. Like, thanks for having <laughs> us. <laughs> I don't care. Mate, you guys are on a winner there with heated. Like the amount of people I've spoken to that are just freezing their nuts off. And it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, they've got to get bloody uh, wetsuits on and all sorts of things. Yeah. And found a, a 25 heated pool. You are on a winner. 
Yeah, well, a couple of my squad mates are swimming in not heated ones, and they went and bought wetsuits, and they just gun 2K, then they're out, <laughs> yeah. get the towel, get a coffee in them. Mate, I, I, yeah, they're tougher than I am, that's for sure. I'm, I'm not dipping my toe in bloody anything under 20 degrees, <laughs> that's for sure. Now, mate, we've yeah. got the news that the Tokyo Olympics are being pushed back to 2021. You know, what effect did that have on you mentally? How, how did you handle the news? Well, when it first came out, I, it didn't really, like, um, I didn't process it immediately, and I just, like, laughed about it, and I remember our coach wanted to have an emergency meeting at the pool and I was driving there and like there were camera crew camera crew there and I was just waving at them having a laugh <laughs> and I walk in walk into the office all happy mm. and everyone's like dead yeah. and I go oh all right like but then a few days later I thought wow I'm not really doing much these days am I I've got nothing really to look forward to so that, for about two weeks I was pretty down and a bit lost, mm-hmm. but then, um, you know, I've been keeping in contact with my coach and all my friends and stuff, and it definitely helped getting that pool because I was able to, like, you know, keep mentally on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is it hard, though, I guess, you know, with the uncertainty of, of you know, the games and even at this stage, I mean, there's, there's talk that it's not an absolute certainty that 2021 will go ahead depending on how, you know, the pandemic pans out moving forward. Is it hard mm. to, like, mentally, you know, obviously swimmers and coaches are people that plan ahead and, and need that structure and that planning and knowing where they're heading. Is it difficult for you sort of not knowing where the future is going? No, I think very, like, one day at a time. Yeah. So, at the moment, it is set to be next year. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm not concerned about what it's going to be, what the situation is going to be in a year, like, yeah. if it does get or whatever. But I think it's important to stay um, grounded mm. with your time. Like, there's no use worrying about it. Because if you prepare yourself for it and it gets cancelled – you know, bad luck. But if you don't prepare yourself for it and it's on, then you're not prepared, you know? Hey, great advice. I love it. Um, now, let's go back to when you were a younger kid in the pool, mate, up there. Talk to All me right. about what you enjoyed about swimming the most when you were younger. What sort of attracted you to the sport? Um, well, I made lots of good friends through school because mm-hmm. um, I never really took it seriously um, until I finished school year 12 so i was just doing it because i could and i wasn't much of a runner or you know i was too skinny to be (laughs) playing rugby with the boys so um and it's what i've been doing forever so i just did it really socially but i think i still like wanted to do really well in it like Mm. even though i wasn't taking it seriously i still tried really hard in it so Hey, where did you start off swimming and sort of, you know, swim club and all that sort of stuff? I know being up in Brizzy myself, there's a lot of state school pools and those, you know, six-lane, 25-metre little short pools. Did you start yeah. in one of those or were you, at, you know, one of the bigger clubs to start with? No, so I, funny enough, it's a good story. So I started training at Clayfield Aquatics at Clayfield College. Yeah, yeah. And the coach there was Damien Jones, who's now the head coach at Rackley. Rackley, yeah. And yep. has been on the on the team. So he was my coach when I was eight and I used to give him so much grief. Like I was the <laughs> biggest little shit. And I was, <laughs> I remember I trained with him for maybe like four years. Mm-hmm. And at one meet I was, I swam like eight races that day. And, um, 
I was like, Mum, let's go home. Like, I don't want to wait around for the presentation or whatever. And I went home and he, the bastard kicked me out. He called me that night. He goes, you're done. Find somewhere else to train. And um, we've never really talked about it, yeah. but I just know it's there. But like, we're on good terms now, but I just think it's so funny how how that happened and where we are now. Like, we're both on an Australian team, so. What were you supposed to be waiting around for? What did, What did you win that you didn't stick around for? Oh, it was a medal presentation. And like, it was one of those age group meets, so there's just heaps of presentations and they get so far behind and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I had four cheeseburger vouchers in my pocket <laughs> from races and I just wanted to go hit some cheeseburgers. Oh, mate, I can't but, blame um, you. I can't, bl- I can't blame you. A few cheeses yeah. on the way home. Absolutely. <laughs> that was the only reason I swam those meets because I knew if I'd place, I'd get a cheeseburger voucher and a water bottle. The only thing I don't like is when um, is when Ronald McDonald turns up at um, at state champs or state age or whatever it is that he comes to because I, I freak out about clowns. So as soon as I, as soon as I see him, I start moving away because he yeah, he's a bit of a out. freak, isn't he? <laughs> he just me out. I mean, I'll take the cheesies, but I just don't. Yeah. I just don't want them coming from him. That's all. Um, <laughs> mate, talk to me about your heroes growing up. Yeah, were there any swimmers that you looked up to, and and if not, same so much in swimming in any other sports mm. where the people hit, you know, heroes that you looked up to. Well, uh, my dad, not so much now, but he was real into the footy and big Broncos fan. And yep. we always used to watch the footy at night. And so I guess back then probably Darren Lockyer and Jonathan Thurston, like the up and coming greats. And like, I used to think, man, I wish I could step like those guys, but no, nah, I'm a swimmer. So, yeah. but yeah, that was probably the only athletes I looked up to. There were no real swimmers that I knew. Mm. As you started to get more into swimming, though, and, and especially, you know, as you said, training at Clayfield and stuff like that, did you start to, you know, look at anyone? And, and maybe if not so much in an Australian team, was there anyone sort of in the programs that you're training in that you looked up to and wanted to, you know, push yourself to be at that level? Yeah, so once I, um, well, left Clayfield, I went to – um, the club at the school I was I was at, I was at Nudgee College. Mm-hmm. So I started training with um, Matt Brown, yep. who was Emily Seabom's coach. And I was the youngest in his squad by like maybe four years. So I felt like a little baby. Mm-hmm. And everyone was so fast, so big. And I was actually really nervous, but I got to know them all. And like, I still keep in, in touch with some of them. And I guess those people were, I looked up to those people because they were older than me. They were a lot faster than I was. And I felt like I had to prove myself to be in that group. Mm. And that actually like kicked me down sometimes because I wasn't doing well and I have to work my way back up. So, Yeah, nice. Mate, what, what were some of the challenges that a young Clyde in training, say at Nudgee College, had to overcome? You know, was it, you know, did you have to improve your kick the most? Was it your pull? Was it underwater? Was it your skills? What, what were certain things you had to work really hard on to progress to that next level? It was the biggest thing was my attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I'd say I was a pretty like entitled kid. I thought I ran the show and, um, but whenever something bad happens, I'd crumble and have a tantrum. So um, I sort of grew up, yeah. I guess, fast. And by the time year 12 came around, I'd already had, blow-ups with Matt and blow-ups with my other coach at Nudgy, Josh. Um, and I remember one day I was just being a cheeky little shit and Josh pulled me into the office and he said, 
any more of that and you're done. And I, I had flashbacks. I had flashbacks to Clayfield Aquatics. I thought, <laughs> man, I'm, I cannot get kicked out of two clubs. My mum will kill me. So I pulled my head in and I actually became way more invested in the sport. And I thought, like, maybe after grade 12 I can pursue this. Mm. So I started working real hard at it and not just dicking around all session. <laughs> Mate, I don't think you're alone there. I've, I've been coaching many years and – uh, you know, the sort of stuff that you've gone through there just describes a lot of the boys coming through anyway, so I don't think yeah. you're alone there. Now, mate, at one stage in your career, you know, you were trying to make a, a national time or a junior team, which we'll go on to in a second in 2015. Talk to me about mm. some of the things maybe you had to get right away from the pool. I know we just mentioned your attitude and sort of, um, you know, intentions when you were at the pool, but... In terms of away from the pool and, you know, might be nutrition, might be prehab type stuff, was there things, you know, that when you were younger, you just thought, oh, I've got to train hard and I'll get results that you started to realize, no, if I don't sort of, you know, get the food right, if I don't get the prehab stuff right, you know, it's not going to work? Yeah. So this is, this came a lot later than maybe a lot of people. Like even when I was 19, 18, 19 with Dean, mm. I would walk out of training and bring a box of shapes and I'd eat the whole <laughs> box on the way home. And he used to be so shitty with me. Like he would see me walking out already hooking into the shapes and I'd just see him shake his head and his blood start boiling. Cause Dean's a very, you know, you gotta be perfect kind of guy. Yep. And, um, and like that was only a few years ago. So I fixed that and like my diet's not, I don't really have a diet, but I'm more responsible with it. And like my prehab, I sort of learned from, injuring myself so i injured myself and thought man like this sucks i wish i actually did something to prevent this so for any injuries that start coming on i'm actually very precautious mm. and sometimes more precautious than dean wants me to but i guess it's better to be precautious than hurt yourself you know mate i've, I've got to ask what what were your favorite flavor of shapes what, what were you into Oh, I'm still into the chicken crimpy. Chicken crimpy is the god tier of shapes. <laughs> nice <laughs> choice. A very nice choice. Now, 2015, you make junior world. In terms of your results, and, and we spoke just before that this was a major meet for a lot of the, you know, the swimmers that are on the Australian team now coming through. And I talked to Mina Atherton yesterday, mm. and she was on this team as well. You grabbed gold in the 200 IM um, and a medal in the 4x200 freestyle relay. I mean, when yeah. you, you know when you look back on this, what sort of confidence did these championships give you that on the international stage, you know, you were up there and you're one of the best? Oh, it was enormous. It um, actually, because this was the year after I graduated school, so I thought I can I'm going to invest myself in it this year, and um, it just proved to me that yeah maybe i can do this mm. and that year was weird because um in march i was still training with matt brown and he lost his job and all that and the, the club sort of disbanded so i had to find a new club and i found went to st peter's and within three months i wanted one junior worlds and i thought oh, shit like yeah. this is a pretty good must be a pretty good program and yeah. i remember when i got to st peter's Bowley's group was still there, so I saw, you know, all these top dog swimmers. Mm. I thought, man, it'd be pretty good to be be out there with those guys, and um, that was my inspiration because they used to finish a bit earlier than mm. us, mm. and I'd be training and I'd see them 
they're not watching, but they're like aware of what's going on. And I think, man, it'd be pretty good to start, you know, trying to beat some of their times in training. And that's sort of what kept me going. And I'm sure that's what helped me drop four seconds or something and win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched, I actually watched, I don't know how it was, I, where I came across it, but it was on YouTube somewhere. And I watched the, the 200 IM and, and you killed it, mate. That last 53, you brought in the yeah. legs and, and smashed it. You talk there about, you know, the, the, program around you when you got there and that you started to to see the other guys and, and want to be there what did you see them doing specifically that you wanted to emulate was it the efforts in training was it the consistent efforts what did they do that you looked at and thought okay well i've got to step to that again now well i didn't really look at any of their you know times or anything i just saw them as they're big boys they're making you know big splash and they're yeah. doing fast times i thought Man, I'd like to be that in a few years, and yeah, I just want. They were like gods, I guess, yeah, and I just yeah. saw them as that. And, yeah. In 2018, you make Con Games on the Gold Coast and Pampax in Tokyo, and, I, and I'll get to those in a second. But from 2015 mm. to this point, you know, there were three years there where you know you're training and, and competition-wise. You, know, mm. you, you you probably missed a few of the teams there coming through or, you you know, you were trying to make it and you just missed out. What were some of the yeah. things you were, you were trying to get right through that period that you ultimately would obviously go on to get right? Because as I said, 2018, mm. massive year, but 2015 to, to there, there's three years where you, you know, you weren't on those national teams. What did you yeah. have to get right through there? Well, I sort of just, you know, when you're that age, you're always growing and, like, it's pretty easy to improve if you keep your head straight. And I remember 2016, was there was Olympics on, and I went to the trials because it was the week after Age Nationals. So I thought, I'll just stay and do this as well, a bit of like open experience. Mm. And um, I ended up coming third in the 400 IM. And like I thought, this is unbelievable. And I, I remember I, I, I claimed third. I finished and I claimed third because I was so happy with how I went. And then my coach, after my coach said, you were 1.6 seconds off making the Olympics. And I thought, oh, shit, I was. Yeah. You know, I didn't really think of that. So then later that year, I made World Short Course, which was my first senior meet. Yeah. And it was with Arnie. That was Arnie's first senior meet too. So from there, I thought, that's the next step. And then the next step's making a senior long course meet. Mm. So I did that the next year. And I did all right. I did... It was a good experience, and then the next year was Com Games. So I think I had a very linear progression. Yeah. I think through my younger years, and that worked probably best for you by by the sounds of it. That's that sort of you know those um, the things you went through, the opportunities you got, and the experiences you had. You know, led you to obviously that massive year in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, absolutely. Like I had a bit of experience under my belt, but I wasn't a favorite or anything. I was just sort of in the mix mm. so i wasn't feeling any pressure at all i thought like it's going games like it's so good it's in australia like it's the only time i'll ever get to do that so that was inspiration i guess to well mate, it, it, it clearly worked as we said you know you did a great job over those three years and and because of that you came out in 2018 and smashed it with a, a gold and a bronze at com games and a silver from the pan packs now firstly com games on the gold coast what was it like in front of, you know, your family and friends, standing on the podium also, you know, singing the national anthem with a gold bloody medal oh. around your neck? I mean, it doesn't get much yeah. better. Yeah, it was unreal. I, I, 
I remember um, just people roaring. And I remember like peeking out in the mastering room. You could peek out of the side of a tent. Mm. And it was actually pissing rain that night. And I could just, like, you couldn't see the top of the stands, mm. but I saw it was all full. I thought, this is unbelievable. Like, how good is this? And then, um, yeah, podium was great. I remember walking, doing, like, the lap of honour. I saw my dad, and he was, you know, off chops, <laughs> happy. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Wait, what about, um, you know, as we said, the atmosphere there was massive. And, and in talking to a lot of people on the podcast, this meet especially was sort of, uh, one way or the other in terms of, you know, they enjoyed that atmosphere, they embraced it and it worked for them or it mm. sort of got over the top of them a little bit and, and, you know, it didn't really work for them and they end up probably putting too much pressure on themselves. How did you find yeah. that atmosphere? Well, I thrived in it, I think. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I've learned to love pressure mm. and now I'm sort of just like, if there's no pressure, I'm not going to do it. Mm sort of thing and i i just love the feeling of pressure because i've appreciated that no one outside of sport gets is really ever under a high pressure situation like that yeah um they don't have thousands of people wanting you to win Mm. like it's it's huge it's a big adrenaline rush Mm. so i've learned to appreciate that every time i'm in that situation like it's one of a kind Mm. and no one really really gets to do that like my dad is 56 he's never been in that situation and like he wouldn't understand what it's like and like i'm grateful that i get that opportunity absolutely and i think you know one of the reasons i love doing this podcast is because you know even though i'm a swimming coach and i've been to you know nationals and and big meets nothing certainly to the scale of what you've been at but you know i've never had to step out of pool deck and and feel that pressure, and I, I love you know bringing your stories to to people at home and and people who are listening in the car because you know as you just said they've never been through it as well, so it gives them a little insight into you know what you've got to deal with and uh, mate, I yeah. think you just spoke about it brilliantly there. Now I want to get to Thank 2019 you. last year, world mm-hmm. champs in South Korea. Now I only say South Korea because I can't actually pronounce the bloody name of the city properly. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one can. No, yeah, so we'll, we'll move. We'll move along. Let's do, it's South Korea. We know that. Now, yeah, I, I want to talk to you about the China Free, and I mentioned it in in the opener. Especially, mm. you know, your semi-final um, was just a, a phenomenal. So I remember watching it on, on TV, mm. just thinking, "Bloody hell, look at him go!" I spoke yeah. to Alex Graham a couple of weeks ago, and he said, oh, "He said in, he was so amped after that." Yeah, he said in watching you, you know, from the stands in, in that race, it just gave him so much confidence that the four by two freestyle relay was was just going to happen. He said, "Once I, he goes, yeah. I knew I was on." You know, I knew the other two boys were on, and when I saw him do that, I thought, "Wow, we, you know, this is ours." Talk to me mm. about that race, and especially from the heats to the to the semis to the to the finals. What was that ride like for you? Well, it, the heats was on heats and semis were on day two, so day one we just won a bronze in the four by one free, and we thought we didn't. No one thought we had a chance of meddling in that, and we actually like we got bronze. Like we thought that was huge. And um, we had no heat swimmers in that. We all did the heat and final. So after that, I thought, you know, I'm pretty on here. Mm. And um, the heats, I made a mistake in the heats because I remember um, it was so dumb. I was in the last 25, I thought I saw I was ahead. I thought, oh, I'll ease off a bit. And I ended up placing 15th. 
So I just scraped through to the semi, mm-hmm. and everyone went 146. So it was like a tenth of a second that I made it by. And then that night I thought, all right, I'm not, I'm not stuffing around here. Like, I'm going <laughs> yeah, for it. Because yeah, <laughs> like, I nearly missed it. And I sort of wanted to prove that I'm way better than the 146 I went. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't very happy with that. And I sort of, um, you know, you get the chills and you walk out. And I just sort of did it. I turned at the 150 and I just remember seeing no one. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> where, <laughs> where is everyone? And I just, it was a hundred percent max effort. Like I had nothing left in the tank, but um, I remember thinking earlier on in the season, like how good would it be to go a 144? Mm. And I actually believed I could do it. So I'm really happy. I ended up achieving my goal, even if it wasn't in the right race, Yeah. but I'm so happy. I actually did it. Now talk to me about them going into the finals, and obviously, you know that the one forty four we didn't replicate that. Actually, to be yeah. honest, the one forty four it would have been the winning time. I think it, it actually beat um, Sun Yang's actual winning time. Yeah, by point oh one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about the finals. What I guess didn't go right for you in the finals that you weren't able to replicate your your semi final swim. Yeah. So in the final, I'd had. It wasn't anything emotionally wrong. It was physically. Like, I was physically so drained from it because, you know, I, f- I finished the semi, I touched the wall, and I, I remember thinking, like, I could carry on here mm. or I could be sensible. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to carry on. So I, like, <laughs> claimed it and yeah, I was, like, yeah. going off and I was yeah. amped as and didn't sleep for ages. And, like, it was a bad choice, but I don't regret it at all because there's only – you know, you only get moments like that very rarely. So I was just, you know, very emotional about it. And I remember walking back along pool deck and I see Alex Graham. He's like charging towards me from the grandstand. Yeah. And he's so amped. And I can yeah. see all the hairs on his head. And he gives me the biggest hug and he's, oh, he squeezed me so hard. Yeah. But, um, but then by the time the final came around, I ended up turning at the 150 in roughly the same time. But I just didn't have like the physicality to, mm. to finish it off like I did the semi. So um, that's one of the things me and my coach talked about is um, being able to back up like that, you know, mm. Be- because the same thing happened in 2017 in my 200 IM. I did a massive PB in the heats and I was so amped and then the semi I sort of bombed. Mm. So I feel like the progression from, you know, b- going really good in the heats and then, going really good in the semi, then hopefully by next year I'm doing really good in all of them, you know? Absolutely. I, I think for, for us at, at home as well, I think with so much going on with Sun Yang at the time, you know, when, when, you, did, <laughs> when you did that semi-final and just smashed him and, and smashed him as well, I think, you know, he, he wasn't the most popular uh, athlete around at the time and still isn't, yeah. you know, to be honest. It was kind of a little bit of... Um, you know, good on you as well for, for sort of sticking it to someone who, who thought he probably was going to own that field and then you, you know, smashed it. So mm. uh, there was a bit of that as well. There was a bit of, you know, patting you on the back, oh, good on you, mate. Look at you go. Yeah. Um, mate, obviously we talked about there the 4 by 2 relay and, and the, you know, the excitement that, that Alex got leading into that. Let's mm. go to it now. What a race for you boys. Uh, Alex Graham, Kyle Chalmers, Mac Horton, yourself. Um, mm. you, know, you get gold ahead of Russia and, and the US. Massive yeah. moment for you guys and, and obviously, 
you know, for you, and I'd, I'd like you to, you know, take us through and get your accounts because you actually led the race off. So you got yeah. to then sit back and watch the rest of it. And hey, that's the, the best part of going first. You get your <laughs> breath back. By the time it's over, you're good. You can do your interview without breathing into the mic. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, give us your accounts, mate. Talk us through it. Um, well, I have good history leading off relays, so they just trusted me to do a good job. And I did a good job. I went faster than I did in the final. Yeah. It was a 145.4 or 145.5, which was a, my second best time ever. So I did that. And we were all confident. You know, our team's morale was very good because we'd had such a good meet so far. And there was no doubt that we could do something special. And um, leading off 145.5 and then Kyle went a 145.5. And I remember... Alex dove in, I thought, you know, like, we've got a little chance here, you know, we're, we're on. And um, Alex on a 145.0. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me because he only, he raced on the first day and then the 200 four by 2 which is on day six. So for five days, every day he would just look more and more ant. And by, like, day four, he was jumping through the roof pretty much and, like, he was so itchy to race and he'd been watching everyone else do good. Yeah, so... He went that, and then Mac brought it home in a what was it one forty four eight, and like it was just unreal. Like I, I was yelling, and I was probably yelling some pretty, uh, not offensive but bad words. <laughs> just things you probably can't say on <laughs> as TV. he was coming home. <laughs> yeah, things you can't say. On, but we're probably definitely picked up on the microphones. <laughs> but um, yeah, just watching him come home and touch first, like oh, I was, I felt like we all felt like kings, and like. No one had been, what, US, and we hadn't won that in 14 years or something, so it was huge. Mate, massive moment in your career, and, and obviously you had stood on a podium before with a gold medal singing the anthem, but this time mm. it would have been a slightly different feel. You've got the boys around you, and, and you know, obviously you're on top of the world. Talk to me about yeah. that moment and, you know, singing the national anthem with the boys. Well, we were all so close before that anyway. Like, we were all great friends, and... Um, we all believed in each other. There was no doubt that we could all put in for each other because it it's not about yourself when you're in a relay. Like, you never want to let the boys down. Mm. And, um, you know, huddling in on the podium and you're singing the national anthem. and It's, it's just great because you're the, you're the best. You're the best in the world. And it's a great feeling to have that. Mate, what sort of a national anthem singer are you? Are you you're the type that, you know, if I press pause on the song halfway through, you'd be caught miming it? Or are you someone who, if I press oh, pause no. halfway through, you'd, be, you'd still I'm go I'm roaring it. <laughs> yeah. I put the hand on the heart like a true blue Aussie. Yeah, I sing it. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Now, talk to me about your coach, Dean Boxer. We, we mentioned him before. Um, mm -hmm. What's he like for you as a coach? And what might we not know about him as a coach that you guys get to see on pool deck. Although in saying that, you know, we do get to see a fair bit of Dean yeah. on pool deck these days and, and behind the scenes, but what, what, what might we not know? Well, Dean's quite a character as everyone knows, and mm. he's very, very switched on all the time and he struggles to switch off. Like someday he won't sleep some nights and he'll wake up at three in the morning and have his ridiculous three or four coffees before we're even up and, we're walking in like a busted ass and he's already up and woke. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but me and Dean's relationship has definitely had its ups and downs mm -hmm. um, and like understanding each other because 
he had to learn to treat me like an adult and I had to learn to respect him. We were always, you know, a bit clashy and there were times where we weren't on with each other for a while. And But it only really resolved um, last year before Worlds, before Trials. We sort of sat down and figured it all out and I asked for some things, he asked for some things and like our relationship's never been better because mm. we operate on a... I asked to be treated like an adult, which is fair. Like, I was an adult, and mm-hmm. he asked for more respect, and I said, yeah, that's fair. Like, you do deserve respect. You've gotten me where I am today. So mm-hmm. now we operate on such – well, we're mates, but he's my coach, and he has the final say, and mm-hmm. he respects that I'll make the right decisions, you know. So it's a good um, good relationship we have now. Mate, talk to me about some of the sets you guys have done, like, Maybe you've done tougher sets before. Or I'm not too sure, but what what are some of the toughest sets you've you've done in your training? Um, well, I'd say this year in January was the best month I've ever done of training, but it was also probably the hardest. Um, we did fifty fifties on one ten, and the first twenty five are at four hundred pace, so like twenty eight. Mm-hmm. And then the next 25 are at 200 pace, so 26. And, like, it was really hard. It's probably the most challenging thing I've done. But I actually did it, and I was so psyched with that. And he was so amped about it. And I thought, like, how the bloody hell did I do that? I went 26 to 25 50s, you know? Mm. Nice. Um, But we were also doing lots of um, outside the pool stuff in January. Like, our training sessions would go for three or four hours you'd be doing you know triathlons on the bike and skipping and dry land and core and then you'd jump in and do 2k yeah it was definitely a grind in january and we all got super fit from it so it did the job what do you call that hell month or something like that what do you call that yeah well the juniors do hell month but us older guys you know our our knees can only handle so much. <laughs> Us older guys, <laughs> you know, like you're in the retirement home. Yeah, we retired from all that shit. So um, <laughs> we sort of do an adjusted one where um, it's not as intensive on our joints because we're targeting swimming. We're not yeah. just trying to get fit. So we'll do a lot more swimming stuff, but we'll also do like bike every session, you know, or we'll do – we have a dry land component every session and just – adds a bit more oomph to our training, I guess. Mate, listen, in my research, I like to be very well researched on this show, and in my research, I read somewhere that you, you wanted to be a primary school teacher when you hung up the goggles and the togs. Is this true? Yeah, it is. So I've, I'm studying at the moment. It is on hold yep. at the moment, but I'm in my second year of it, and I've actually done a bit of teaching through PRAC. Mm. It's great. Like, I love it. Yeah, nice. What led you down that track to, to get involved in, in teaching? Um, well, I ended up doing a couple of those, you know, swim club clinic things where you sort of just rock up and introduce yourself and stuff like that yeah. um, and do a bit of coaching. And I actually found it really rewarding working with children, I guess, when they understand stuff. And like, I felt like I could, you know, connect with them, I guess. So I thought, you know, I'll give this a crack. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, and I love it. 
Mate, do you think, and just talking to you now, you, you seem like a really nice guy, but also a bit of a scallywag as well that, you know, might have found himself in trouble <laughs> around the traps, but not in a bad way, just that you, know, yeah. you were just enjoying yourself. Do you think that, you know, in terms of teaching and, and wanting to help kids that, you you know, you'd look at helping kids similar to yourself? I know that's how I got into coaching that, you know, I wanted to help those swimmers coming through that not necessarily were the greatest athletes because let's face it, <laughs> I was a very, very average swimmer. So, you yeah. know, I looked at it in that way that I wanted to help those guys, you know, build through. Is, is that something that sort of led you in that as well, that you wanted to help those kids? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, so many kids just can't find motivation because, you know, they're racing – kids that are double their size like when you're 12 it's not really fair at all because yeah. you i remember racing a kid with back hair when i was 12 <laughs> and i was thinking like this bloke's double my size <laughs> and i'm i'm tiny so like getting through that development phase without um you know harming your belief in yourself and um your motivation is hard mm. Because at the time, you're not thinking like, oh, in five years, I'll be huge. You know, you're <laughs> thinking, I'm tiny, yeah. I'm struggling, I'm slow. And um, yeah, because I, I went through that and it's hard to get through it mm. because, as I said, you can't really see much into the future when you're that young. So I would be interested in, in helping kids that, you know, aren't much good at, you know, literacy and stuff like that when they're younger, you know. Mm, definitely. Or kids that... You know, I'm that great at maths like myself. I hated maths. And for oh, anyone yeah. out there, all the kids listening, please, please do yourselves a favor and, and pay attention <laughs> in maths and really knuckle down because I, I was hopeless. I, mean, I don't know about yourself. How did you go with maths? Oh, I wasn't that good at maths. I was good until they put the alphabet in and then I was hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why put the alphabet in? It's, it's supposed to be numbers. Yeah, it's numbers. This one I got confused as well, mate. Um, now, talk to me about what you get up to away from the pool. So, obviously, you know, we haven't been in full training at the moment, but when you do get stuck back in and, and it's full on, what do you get up to away from the pool that, you know, keeps you sane? Um, well, these days I'm very social. I feel like I've done a big 180 from maybe like three years ago, four years ago, where I would, I would be so content with just sitting at the playstation just going yeah, for it yeah. for like four days straight you know but yeah. now i i love being social i'm out and about all the time um catching up with people and um connect reconnecting with old friends and stuff because once you finish school and stuff you don't really see much of your mates mm. so you sort of cherish that a lot more well we definitely once know how finished. social you like to be mate. as i said you've been voted the best dancer on the swim team so <laughs> we know you like to get out and about and have a bit of fun. You know what? I'll claim that. I'll claim that. I'm not even embarrassed or ashamed to say yeah. it. I probably am the best dancer on the team. Mate, I'm a horrible mover on the dance floor. I'd be <laughs> too if people were saying that about It's me. not about what it looks like. It's about the confidence you emit when you're doing it. <laughs> exactly right. Now, you mentioned mm. there about gaming, mate. Do you, have you been doing a bit of gaming in the, in the downtime during isolation? Yeah, I have. Um, I play games with... Uh, Jack McLaughlin, mm -hmm. who's a 1500 swimmer. Yeah. Um, we actually went to school together and we trained together when we were younger, so we're real good mates. Saw so a photo we, of him yesterday on Instagram, mate. He's growing a mean beard. Yeah, he's a he's a hairy man. <laughs> Very hairy man, that guy. <laughs> he's been enjoying his isolation. That's, yeah, he has. <laughs> um, I've actually, I think I've shaved his back before. Oh, yeah? 
that's oddly satisfying. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it for. <laughs> Mate, when you when you're on the um, playing games and you got the headset on, do, are you good with the banter? Do you give as good as you get? Yeah, of course. Like that's the only real reason I play it. It's a social thing. Like especially now when you can't. Well, I guess not now, but maybe a few weeks ago when you it was illegal to see a bunch of people. Yeah. You know, so you're just getting on a big call and talk garbage together like you usually do in person. It's pretty much the same thing. It's funny. Um, <laughs> my brother, I live with my brother and he, he's been, you know, getting into the Xbox again a lot lately. And the other day he came home with a with a headset and the microphone. I said, where'd you get that? He goes, oh, I've, I'm getting sick of getting verbally abused by 11-year-olds. Yeah. I've, I've got to start giving <laughs> it back to them. You can only just cop it for so long, <laughs> then you got to throw it back. <laughs> oh, it just abuses me just to sit there and think that there's an 11-year-old just hammering him on the on the Xbox. Mm. Um, now, mate, this is your right of reply. We're at that stage where we're going to go through, um, you know, getting to know the Aussie team a little bit better and, and you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. start a sentence and then you, you finish it with the name of a swimmer on the team who you think best suits it. So this is okay. the right of reply. Now, we're going to start with funniest person on the Australian team is... It's got to be Zach and Serdy. He's a funny man. He's a funny up and coming comedian too. Just for all the all the viewers out there. Did you hear his song the other day? He wrote a, he rewrote um, the lyrics to a song. I can't remember what the song was, but I remember the lyrics. It was very funny. Did you see that? No, was it on his Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Go back and check later. It was. It, it was. Oh, very sure, funny. it'll crack me up. <laughs> what about the biggest pest on the team? Biggest pest. Oh, probably Kyle. I'd say Kyle's a bit of a pest, yeah. but in a great way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's always bringing the banter, and, and he's a big man, and like, you know, he'll give you a big slap on the back, and you're thinking, why'd you do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that really hurt. <laughs> and welts on my back. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, the leaders or, or leader of the team? Is there someone that you go to, and they might not necessarily be mm. officially the leaders, but someone you go to when you need a bit of advice? Um. Usually the Mac or Alex. Um, me and Alex are great mates, but he's also like one of the great leaders on our team, and he's an official leader, so um, he does a great job with that. And um, Mac is also someone that's available to talk to, and we're good mates. Like you never really go up to them and say like, "Oh, I'm having a bad time." You sort of just chat with them as you usually do, and it gets your mind right, really. All right, this is the one, mate. What about the best singer or dancer on the team? Well, I think we all know the answer to best dancer <laughs> by now. Um, yeah. <laughs> best singer? I'd probably say um, I'd probably say Alex again. Yeah. To be honest, he gets two awards this, this podcast. Yeah, very nice. Well done. I'll, I'll have to text him later and say, well done, mate. Two awards. Yeah, two awards, two gold medals. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I think we'll wrap it up there, Clyde. Thank you very much, mate, for coming on the show for a chat. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I had a good laugh with you, and thank you for coming on and, and taking the time to share some of your stories. And, mate, good luck over the next few months with getting back in the pool and building your fitness back up and feel mm-hmm. for the water and ultimately, mate, going on to try and secure your spot for 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. And I'd love to, mate, hopefully get you on for another chat somewhere down the track. But till then, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swing Podcast. Thanks very much for having me. It's a good chat. I liked it. I'll do it again. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by Pro Swim Workouts.
Now, we have teased this long enough, and the time has finally arrived to announce the very lucky winner of our arena back to swimming pack, valued at $250. I'm very pleased to announce that our lucky winner is at mad.grinds. So congratulations to at mad.grinds. There is a arena backpack coming your way. Kickboard, racing goggles in it as well. I'll be in touch through Instagram to get a little bit more information off you as to where to send your brilliant prize in the next coming days. A huge thank you to everybody that got involved in the competition. Um, There are many, many more giveaways to come your way, so don't be too disappointed. There's plenty of other opportunities to get your hands on some great arena gear. Our next episode drops next Friday, the 19th of June, features Aussie sprinter and Olympian, Mr. James Roberts. Cannot wait for you guys to hear that one. Definitely one you will not want to miss. Until then, though, guys, please have a great weekend. Enjoy getting back into the pool if you are fortunate enough to do so. And it's bye for now. I just wanna be with you.